this week, Rite Aid refinances Revolver and agrees on new 10-year deal with McKesson. Sears parties continue fight over MTN and ISDA auctions. Aegean signs Mercuria RSA. More on all this and, as always, updates from Puerto Rico. Welcome to the week in Reorg. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Research weekly podcast where we bring you the latest top developments in the news of distressed debt and bankruptcies. I'm Karen Lung reporting from Reorg's offices in New York City. And I'm Connor Skelding. This week, the Reorg team will review recent developments in emerging markets. It's Sunday, December 23rd. Rite Aid announced and then completed a refinancing of its $2.7 billion secured revolver and added a new $450 million first-in, last-out secured term loan. The new revolver will replace the one that was set to mature January of 2020. The new facilities both mature in December 2023, subject to an earlier maturity if the company has not repaid or refinanced its existing 6 and percent senior notes due 2023 prior to that date. The company also announced it has agreed with McKesson on a new 10-year purchasing and distribution agreement. When asked about the decision to go with McKesson over using the Walgreens option, management said that the McKesson platform will provide Rite Aid with a similarly low-priced drug purchasing pipeline, and although management would not quantify any benefits to terms provided by McKesson in the extension, it did note that there is a, quote, enhancement in value from the extended agreement. And Rite Aid reported earnings for the fiscal third quarter of 2019, posting revenues of $5.5 billion, up 1.8% year-over-year, and adjusted EBITDA from continuing operations of $142.8 million, up from $142.1 million in the prior year quarter. In a closely watched ruling, Judge Robert Drain found that Omega Advisors lacked standing to pursue its motion to invalidate the Sears debtors' sale of SRAC-issued medium-term notes to Cyrus Capital Partners. However, the judge also ruled that the debtors' quote, lockup agreement with Cyrus Capital, foregoing sale of the $1.4 billion in MTNs owned by Sears Reinsurance Co. until after the forthcoming CDS auction, was outside the ordinary course of the debtors' business, and therefore required notice, a hearing, and ultimately court approval of the transaction. Noting that a motion seeking retroactive approval of the agreement must be heard prior to the SRAC CDS auction in the second week of January, the court set a a January 2nd hearing on the matter. The MTN's CDS auction has also drawn submissions to the ISDA Determinations Committee, which which received two general interest questions this week referencing Cyrus's ownership of $881 million in MTNs and asking whether the CDS auction settlement terms for SRAC should be modified, quote, to prevent a market participant from creating an open interest to buy exceeding the face amount of all deliverable obligations, not otherwise owned or controlled by that market participant. The first question was submitted to the DC on December 18th and accepted by the DC on the 20th. The second submission was made on the 20th and argues that the MTNs have been, quote, monopolized by a single party, which has also ensured that the reference entity sold the MTNs to it on condition that no further MTNs were made available to the market. Last Saturday, the Aegean Marine debtors filed a motion seeking approval of a restructuring support agreement with Mercuria, 
consenting unsecured note holders consisting of more than 50% of AMPNI's unsecured note holders, the official committee of unsecured creditors, and American Express. The debtors say that the Mercuria RSA embodies a restructuring proposal that, quote, delivers even greater value than the initial Mercuria proposal and the Oak Tree Hartree restructuring proposal. Key terms of the Mercuria RSA include the opportunity for unsecured creditors to participate pro rata in a litigation trust loan that would be backstopped by Mercuria, with general unsecured AMPNI creditors to receive 100% of the initial proceeds from the litigation claims. Holders of pre-petition AMPNI common equity would receive 100% of the residual interest in the litigation claims once general unsecured creditors at AMPNI have received payment in full. Judge Michael Wiles approved the debtor's request for an entry of a bridge order for interim dip financing from Mercuria at a Monday hearing. The final dip hearing is scheduled for January 14th, during which the court will also consider the debtor's motion for approval of the Mercuria RSA. Also at that hearing, counsel for Oak Tree said that in the fund's view, the Oak Tree Hartree RSA announced last week had not been terminated, even though Oak Tree Hartree, quote, withdrew from the contest for providing dip financing. Counsel for Aegean Marine and for the official committee of unsecured creditors disagreed. Judge Weil said that he hopes Oak Tree Hartree, quote, re-engages their participation. RIOG reported this week that the PROMESA Oversight Board has requested another delay in the resumption of the formal mediation process, being overseen by a team of judges appointed by the Title III Court. And the mediation talks are now not expected to resume until February, according to three sources close to the matter. Plans for the mediation call for separate talks with different creditor groups, with general obligation bondholders and other holders of Commonwealth guaranteed bonds forming one such group, monoline insurers another group, and additional groups for pension bondholders and unsecured creditors, two of the sources said. The goal is to try to hammer out separate agreements and merge them into a broader Commonwealth plan of adjustment, the two sources said. Also in the Puerto Rico cases during a restructuring update presented by the PROMESA Oversight Board's Council at an omnibus hearing on Wednesday, the board raised the prospect of a cramdown in the Commonwealth restructuring, adding that the level of consensus will be clearer in March or April. Separately at the hearing, Judge Laura Taylor Swain granted the board's requested rejection of a debt service deposit agreement between COFINA, its trustee, and Lehman Brothers Special Finance. Judge Swain also directed the fee examiner to rewrite a request for presumptive standards on fee rate increases, saying that fee increases should be capped at 2%, which the judge said approximated the rate of inflation in New York City. On Thursday, Representative Nidia Velasquez introduced a bill related to the disclosure requirements of professionals working on Puerto Rico's debt restructuring, citing specific concerns with board advisor McKinsey, which the fee examiner has also taken aim at in the past. Other top red stories of the week were Feral Gas Opco Group organizes with Strook, in blow to opioid manufacturer, pharmacy, and distributor defendants, Judge Polster refuses to dismiss majority of Track 1 action. Neiman Marcus term loan lenders prepare letter requesting resignation of administrative agent Credit Suisse. Now, 
Here's Jim Holloway with the week ahead. Well, thank you, Connor, and greetings all. Tuesday is, of course, December 25th, Christmas, according to the Gregorian calendar. There is a bid deadline in the Sears global sales process on Friday, December 28th, and that's pretty much it. There is a bit of a pickup the following week with a hearing on the medium-term notes-related transaction in Sears on Wednesday, January 2nd. The expiration of the Urban One tender offer for its nine and a quarter subs due 2020 also on Wednesday. The DS hearing in PetroQuest, the second lien note holder stay relief hearing in LBI Media, and the second day hearing in Parker Drilling all on Thursday, January 3rd. And on Friday, January 4th, the confirmation hearing in David's Bridal. Ho, ho, ho. And back to y'all. Thanks, Jim. We'll be following all of that and more in the coming week. And now for an emerging markets review by senior distressed debt analyst Kyle Wusu and reporter Harvard Jang. Thank you, uh, and my name is Harvard Zhang. I'm a distressed debt reporter for Americas and Europe. And joining me uh, here is um, Kyle Usu, our senior distressed debt analyst. Uh, the last time we discussed MaxCat in late November, we talked about the bonds dropping about 10 to 15 points over the course of a month after Mexico's uh, newly elected president, Andreas Manuel Lopez um, Obrador, or AMLO, announced the cancellation of the proposed New Mexico City um, uh, International Airport in Texcoco. Kyle, can you give us a quick rundown on uh, what has happened since then? Sure. So on November 21st, an ad hoc group of bondholders tapped Hogan Lovells as, as counsel. Um, and then December 3rd, MexCat came out and announced a $1.8 billion tender, launching a Dutch auction to repurchase the notes at 90 cents to a dollar. Um, the proposal would amend the indentures to remove events of default related to the Texcoco airport, as well as release the security interest over the passenger charges and other assets related to the new airport. About two days later, the Hogan Lovells Group said in a release that it holds over 50% of at least one series of the MaxCat bonds, giving them a blocking stake, and asserted that it cannot support the proposal. The group's main concerns had to do with the removal of collateral and the potential reduction of collateral. So you had, again, the, the release of the security interest, um, but also the group was concerned with the potential for reductions in passenger charges um, upon the utilization or development of the alternate uh, Mexico City airport, um, as well as a further potential reduction in collateral with respects to um, the liberalization of uh, the restricted payments test in two of the four bonds. Um, and so on uh, December 11th, uh, MexCat came out and amended the offer, saying that it would remove the auction mechanism and buy back uh, the $1.8 billion of notes at par. Um, the additional proposed amendments to the note indentures, um, so the, the one of the most important ones was that the before March 31st, 2019, MexCat will establish and maintain a segregated account um, to, to fund repayments of the notes, and uh, MexCat would contribute 
200 million per year to those accounts um, and use the amounts in each account uh, to fund repayment of the notes at maturity or amortized debt. Uh, one interesting wrinkle with the um, with the segregated account is that Mexcat is actually allowed to invest in certain permitted investments um, and then collateralize the notes uh, with those investments. Um, the notes would be secured by a first priority security interest over all cash amounts deposited in the accumulation accounts. Um, the amendment also proposed to add an event of default if the de- debt service coverage ratio f- falls below 1.75 times. It, and then uh, in addition, it proposed to increase event of default thresholds related to passenger charges at the Benito Juarez International Airport to 4407 for international flights and 2320 for domestic flights. Uh, by way of background, um, prior to the amendment, the, the terms were uh, 3472 for international and 2233 for domestic. Um, and then finally, the um, the um, the amendment dropped the original uh, clause allowing for restricted payments under the indenture governing the notes due in 2026 and the indenture governing the notes due in 2046. Um, on December 12th, Hogan Lovell's uh, the Hogan Lovell's group appointed Houlihan. Um, and the ad hoc uh, group of Mexcat bondholders said that it cannot support the amended offer. Um, finally, um, December 20th, the bondholders eventually did agree um, to the amended offer. You had roughly 71% of bondholders tendering. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's sort of a brief rundown on what's happened since uh, since we last spoke. Yeah, it's certainly been a, an eventful um, month since the, the beginning of December when... Um, uh, they first and uh, firstly announced the uh, the tender offer. Uh, how have the bonds traded since the uh, the announcement at the beginning at the beginning of December? So the bonds traded up around ten points on the news of the the tender, uh, but then the market couldn't get comfortable with the details, and the bonds fell about two to three points. Then when Mexcat came out and amended the offer, the bonds shot up roughly four to five points, and they're they're now quoted in the low nineties. And what do you think um, those following Mexcat uh, should be watching out um, for next? So now that the government has a deal in hand, I think the airport concession will probably officially be canceled. Um, everything that I've read said that the the target. Uh, for cancellation was the the second half of no, of December rather, um, and then starting in 2019, as I stated, Mexcat will start to contribute 50 million quarterly to a segregated account. Um, so we'll watch out for that and see uh, what what types of payments are are made into that account or whether. Um, there are actually uh, in permitted investments instead. Um, the, debt amort- the, the debt amortization plan that Mexcap put out assumes flat passenger fees at around $500 million a year. Um, LTM passenger charges for the, the period ended October 31st were $498 million, compared with $474 million for the period ending July 31st. So we'll be on the lookout to see um, whether or not the, the passenger fees do indeed trend around that $500 million level. So now switching gears, I will uh, start. I will be the one asking uh, Harvard questions about uh, global retailer Steinhoff. 
Um, so last time we talked um, about Steinhoff was in October, and we focused on how the filing for bankruptcy protection of mattress firm would fit into Steinhoff's global restructuring. Today, we're going to pivot to Europe, where there is over 9 billion euros of debt. Um, Steinhoff is trying to raise some more money there. Uh, and there's also a pretty interesting project name that we wrote about this week. Harvard, can you give us an overview of what happened? Sure. So sources uh, told us that in the past two weeks, PJT Partners, uh, which, which is the uh, the financial advisor to the public creditors of Steinhoff uh, Europe AG, approached some of their clients um, and asked if they would like to go private on a deal on dubbed pro- Project Cersei. Um, Cersei, like Cersei Lannister in the HBO TV series Game of Thrones. The people that I've ta- I talked to um, told me um, that it's actually an opportunity, could be an opportunity um, to lend money to some SEAG entity. And on the same day, I got the story out on December 18th, I also heard the company was asking creditors consent um, for, its friend, uh, f- um, for its French subsidiary, uh, furniture retailer Conforama, uh, to, to um, borrow f- actually from SEAC up to 50 million uh, euros of new money and let it sell uh, three pop- properties um, for a little shy of 9 million um, euros. I think um, Project Cersei is highly likely the from a new money deal, but I could be wrong. Uh, if any uh, listeners um, are in the know, please give me a call and let's have a chat. That is a uh, an interesting name for, for a project. Do we know why it's called Project Cersei? I know the name for the implementation plan uh, is Project Orange. Yes, so that's a simple and classic um, project name. Um, but on Project Cersei, I was chatting with Mario, uh, Mario Olivero, a manager, uh, on that story. He mentioned um, a Lannister always pays his debt, which is quite interesting. And I actually thought about the episode where Cersei um, blew up King's Landing uh, with wildfire um, when her power was in jeopardy. Anyway, maybe we were um, reading too much into it. Well, I don't know. You might be on to something. Um, and it certainly is a is a cool name for a project. Um, do you want to tell our listeners more about the uh, the new Conferama um, facility and uh, and asset and the asset disposal? Um, you know, if you could walk us through timing and and more importantly, why do they need this new money right now? Definitely. So Conferama would be borrowing um, up to 50 million euros and the maturity is actually January 31st with an option for a uh, one month extension to the end of February. Interest rate is um, 6.5% per year pick, compounding monthly. So it certainly has this bridge loan vibes to it. And they actually mentioned um, a condition to this financing um, being uh, they would be refinancing on this uh, facility before the facility matures. Kyle, and we, we talked about this, it's you know holiday times and the fact that this um, furniture's retailer is borrowing money for working capital needs. Maybe they're trying to see, you know, um, trying to see how this important um, shopping season turns out and then decide where um, they're 
going and what they should be doing next. And Steinhoff actually blamed the recent Yellow Vests um, protests in France that disrupted um, trading. Of course, we know the protests were about rising fuel prices and higher cost of living and the burden on the uh, working and middle class people in France. Um, the company also cited ongoing restructuring measures um, required um, within the um, the Conforama group. And then I saw we did an update about the company securing the consents necessary for Conforama to go ahead and borrow the money and sell the properties? Yes, and um, the creditors giving them the consents um, really wasn't a surprise. And then the, the, the new money section in the lockup agreement basically lays out rules Steinhoff needs to follow if it wants to borrow money. And I know that this came up previously with mattress firms. Let's talk more about that. Sure. So according to the lockup agreement, which is like this foundation for um, Steinhoff's global restructuring, um, and any new money at the parent company, SIAG, or finance holding must be offered to the lenders parada to their exposure um, of the debt at the relevant borrower. And this is, this is important. The investors that hold more than 75 million euros of debt across the, uh, the relevant entities and signed the agreement get to participate in any new money deals before the restructuring completes. Um, in the story earlier this week, we mentioned some prominent names like uh, Ballpost, um, Your Capital, Blue Mountain, Center Bridge, etc. And yes, in the mattress firm restructuring, um, this new money provision came up because um, those qualified investors um, got asked to provide um, the, uh, the U.S. retailer with a $100 million um, debtor in possession financing and a $400 million um, ex um, ex exit term loan. So before we go, um, let me ask one of my, uh, my favorite questions. Um, what's next? What do you think those that are following the situation uh, should be watching out for? Yeah, sure. So um, they postponed the, uh, the 2017 and 2018 financials and the, um, the PwC report. Um, but the company said there will be a trading update uh, for um, the first quarter of 2019 uh, in February. And also investors are waiting for uh, the new, um, the, the take back pay actually, since um, both the uh, CX CVA and the finance holding CVA got approved recently. Um, the Steinhoff International Holdings Proprietary Limited, or SIHPL, um, should also use um, reasonable endeavors to uh, make a 25% pay down uh, on the uh, 21 and 22's convertible bonds by March 31st, according to the lockup agreement and a um, CVA document. Uh, that entity, as IHPL, which we used to call the shell entity, and is a um, which is the guarantor of the two slices of uh, convertible notes, um, has a 1.2 billion euro claim from its parent company, which is Steinhoff Investment Holdings Limited. SIHPL said it will take um, reasonable steps within its control to maintain um, South African Reserve Bank approvals to make the uh, the cash pay down. Uh, there's also an undertaking to consider quarterly payments um, on an ongoing basis um, based on a uh, quasi-liquidation um, li li distribution methodology.
That's very interesting. So the uh, the intercompany loan that uh, you know was the the sort of the catalyst for the converts uh, ripping roughly ten points or, or maybe even more. Um, you know, a few months ago, seems like they're going to try and crystallize that or monetize that. Um, so yeah, that's very interesting, and we'll see uh, what the new year has in store. Um, thank you so much, Harvard, um, and thanks to our listeners. Thanks for listening. That's all for this week and all for this year, too. The Reorg Podcast will be taking a break next week and will return on January 6th. Until then, happy holidays and happy new year. We'll see you in 2019. As a reminder, you can access all Reorg Podcasts on the media page. And if you're not a subscriber, you can find them on iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm Karen Lung, and this has been The Week in Reorg.